Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right, welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. Excited for today's episode. Uh, We've got someone uh, with us who I respect greatly. I guess I've known for almost a year now, and uh, it's just flown by. And uh, today I have Dr. Kim Wilmint uh, with us on the podcast. Uh, Kim works at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Massachusetts in the brain mind medicine uh, department. So it's a really, she brings such a uh, interdisciplinary approach uh, to this work and you're going to have a great opportunity to learn more about her vision, about how she really, um, you know, deploys good research into clinical practice. And it's, it's really just all around. She's a wonderful person who really is a, you know, when I think of the term servant leader, this is, this is how she approaches uh, her care with the clients that she serves. So Kim, thank you for spending some time with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. How did I do on the bio? Am I am I okay? Did we, did we do good? Yeah, yeah, okay. it was really good. Um, it it the actual um, title of our center is the Center for Brain Mind Medicine. If if okay. folks are interested, yeah. Great, and and we will have the links uh, in the show notes, um, so people can just click to learn more about about the center right. and, and and support it. Uh, Kim comes to this work through the lens of kind of neurology and, and psychiatry, right? Uh, and it's mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to he to see both of those uh, titles uh, here as we think about uh, the brain, brain health, and brain injury. So, Kim, the people that that listen to this, uh, these might be uh, individuals that have had a brain injury or or are concerned about their brain health or looking to optimize their brain health. These might be uh, professionals in the space who are just looking to learn more, uh, to hear more about some of the leaders out there doing innovative work. As we think about that, what would kind of, from your lens, what would your main message be working in this interdisciplinary type role? And also, you know, as a, as a researcher, uh, what would your main message be for those that are listening in the world of brain health? Yeah, it's a big question. Um, I, well, I guess one of the things that I'm most passionate about is educating people about neuroplasticity. So my message to the world of brain health is that it is possible to change our brains for the better. And really, if we put in the time and the effort, and, and that should, of course, be emphasized because there's no quick fix in, in neuroplasticity. You have to put in the time and the effort. Um, and right now, I feel like too many people still believe that our brains are fixed um, and that we're, we're stuck with what we have. Um, but we know more and more from the research that our brains are, are constantly changing based on our experiences and really whatever we give focused attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this means that if we want healthier, a healthier brain or if we want healthier habits, we can turn our energy towards things like exercise, diet, cognitively stimulating activities like cognitive training um, and mindfulness meditation. 
And this can help improve a range of things, for, like from our overall well-being um, to our ability to recover from a brain injury or illness. Um, and then also, we have this really great data now to show that it can reduce our risk for dementia. Wow. I mean, let's unpack that just a little bit here. Okay. So when we think about that, um, and it makes sense, right? Like, uh, there are some strategies out there and some programs out there. I think about exercise and I think about immediately uh, the work of John Rady, right? I, I immediately kind of think of, of his work and, and what I, it, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of easy to say and a lot of people do, but can be very hard to put into a practice. And, and really, I love what you said around habit. So maybe if you could, yeah. just for people that are listening, because it, it sounds kind of easy, <laughs> but you're almost talking about this kind of dosage and programming. And maybe just for some of the people, maybe in some of your experience, yeah. what are some examples um, that you could think about where, where you've seen this kind of concept come into practice and really help uh, those that you serve? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I guess it kind of goes back to like, um, educating people about like that if you take care of your your physical body like we know if we take care of our physical bodies we can see changes for the better and we can see changes to fend off things like aging and injury um and we can also take care of our brains and and really expect the same things but you're right um you know it i'm, I'm making it kind of sound like you know, I give a prescription for somebody to start an exercise routine and then their brain is changed for the better. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not that simple. Um, for a lot of people making these lifestyle habit changes, um, it's a lot of work um, and takes a lot of support. Um, this is one of the things that I, I know in, um, I feel like in the US healthcare system, we don't really do a very good job supporting people around making these changes. Um, but I think the, the first step is educating people um, right. and um, and then doing what we can to help people make very small changes. Um, so if you are not somebody who exercises, um, anything that you can do to get more movement in your day to day life is a really good initial first step. So if you are you know, if maybe you're prone to um, taking the, the elevator because you, you don't want to get winded going up the stairs. Well, the more that you can take those stairs, the more you're doing something really good for your brain um, and your body. So starting small and then kind of working up from there. I do the same thing with um, mindfulness, mindfulness exercises as well. If I can get somebody to start doing a one minute exercise every day, I like that. That's a huge success, a huge win. Um, and then if I can get somebody doing it one minute a day, I can get them doing it three minutes a day. Um, and then we just work up from there. I love it. So really, especially for those that are out there right now that might have had any kind of, um, you know, neurological deficit and they're thinking, oh, God, I don't know how to get I, I can't spend hours doing this. Let's really rewind what Kim just said there. It really starts with the first step. And, and you're only comparing yourself to yourself yesterday, not the person on TV, not the Nike ad, <laughs> you know, right, right. you're yeah. comparing yourself to your, yourself yesterday. So if you, if, if today's your first day of mindfulness and you did a minute of mindfulness, you're up like a hundred percent, 
from yesterday. That's a big win, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even for some, like, especially for something like mindfulness, like we know that the consistency of the practice is, we're, we're kind of learning from the research data that the consistency of the practice is something that's, we, we, we think, and we have some good evidence to show that it, might even be more important than how long you're doing it for. So the more you can make it a consistent habit, um, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to to do mindfulness um, exercises for hours per day. Um, but if you can do it every day, do it in in a little bit every day, um, it, we can see some pretty remarkable changes in your brain um, after, you know, not too long of a time period um, on the order of months, really. Well, I love it. I mean, so really, you know, that's so tangible and such a good take home mm -hmm. um, for people that are listening. So, uh, you know, again, like Kim said, you know, the brain can change and is always changing. Uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a, it's not a, a necessarily a positive or a neg it, negative. It just is. <laughs> yeah. It just yeah. is a fact. Mm -hmm. um, so when we think about, you know, your work, you're very well read, um, you're a researcher, when I, this is always interesting to hear and, and, and excuse my writing, I'm going to be writing down, uh, yeah. you know, what are some of the most influential um, books or papers uh, that have really helped to shape some of your perspective as, as yeah. you work in this space? Um, I also want to ask you the same question, because I think it's also a fun one to hear other people's <laughs> answers to those questions as well. So, absolutely. Um, I'll, but I'll, but I'll go first. Um, as a neuropsychologist um, and a neuropsychologist who's really, um, I, I've been, my passion has been in in rehabilitation um, and helping people learn new cognitive skills um, to recover from, from injuries and illness. Um, and I, I guess one of my neuropsychologist picks would be yeah. Barbara Wilson's book, um, Neuropsychological Rehabilitation. Um, it's uh this is kind of like my go-to for for inspiration i mean she's such an inspiration in, in the work that she has done in cognitive rehab and particularly neuropsychological rehab um so um whenever i'm feeling like i need a little inspiration i go to to that book um but in terms of like what i want the world to read um i guess i would say um i have i have two picks uh one is Norman Doidge's, um, his first book, The Brain That Changes Itself. Um, yeah, um, so all about neuroplasticity, fascinating stories. Um, and uh, I think just really, I mean, some of the stories, of course, these people are, are almost like superhuman and what they're able to achieve, but it really gives you a sense of the power of, of mm -hmm. neuroplasticity um, and also I think some innovative ways that we're looking to help support people um, in recovering from brain injury or illness um, that you know are still not things that are, I guess would be considered mainstream um, treatment approaches, but mm -hmm. I feel like are the way that we are moving and um, understanding how we can support, um, support people. Um, and I guess the other one, um, I'm currently reading and I can't get enough of is Altered Traits um, by Daniel mm -hmm. Goleman and Richie Davidson. I love Daniel um, Goleman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's, it's all about the science um, behind mindfulness and I, I guess very specifically mindfulness and neuroplasticity. 
Um, so um, I, we actually at the Center for Brain Mind Medicine, we offer uh, like a free community book club. And uh, mm. these are two books we well, so we're currently reading Altered Traits in our book club. Um, and we have read both of Norman Doidge's books before. And people, the response that people have to these books is, I had no idea. Um, I really had no idea. Uh, that this could happen. Um, I had no idea that the brain could change it in the ways that are described in these books. Um, and for many people, what they say is, it, is reading these books, in addition to kind of doing some of the other programs that we offer, it, it gives them a sense of hope that they never really had before um, they mm. learned this information. Um, and hope, I think, we all know hope is a really important vitamin to have um, in, the, in the context of recovery. So um, it's uh, it's something that I love it. Hard, Kim, I love it. Of... <laughs> I've got I've, so I I've I've written that that one down. Altered traits, and we'll make sure that yeah. that's in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, it's great. So I'll give you one of mine. Um, okay. There's so many. Um, ask my wife. I mean, my book the bookshelf is mm-hmm. nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so many I want to get to uh, because I feel like there's just so much to learn. Uh, and I try to balance. I like literature too. I like to read through papers. And there was a, a really good one uh, mentioned um, on the last episode. But one that really kind of piqued my attention. Now, this is a, 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 a I want to read. I, I haven't okay. got this okay. one yet. Okay. But it's by uh, Rich Devinney called The Attributes. And, and it's really talking about, you know, performance key performance indicators that teach you how to build more high performing teams so that's my i want to read i haven't got it yet uh but i'm i'm quite interested i've heard him on a couple of uh, podcasts and interviews and it's just really piqued my interest because it almost builds off of the atomic habits concept the kind of jim's clear which i love yeah Mm -hmm. you know me of course i would love that book (laughs) Uh, it's a it's a cool book it it is also a very good book yes (laughs) yeah yeah it is just easy to read Mm -hmm. and uh, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. And of course, Barbara's uh, book and, and, yeah. and the woman who changed her brain has been big for me. She's a good friend, as you know. And, uh, and of course, Norman Doidge's, I, I love the first book as well, because it was like, it yeah. was mind, it was mind blowing for me. Yeah. Like I just, I was just in it and just like, like I, the inner kind of, I don't, um, critic was kind of like, is it, is this real? Like, can, can yeah. this be real? Yeah. Um, but I knew Barbara and she was like chapter two and I'm like, well, this is, this is very real. And I've seen yeah. the work in, in, in real life. So I'm like, yeah, this is real. And then it made me think about all the other chapters and the good that people are doing and, and the innovation that's going on. So those are a couple of mine, um, that, that awesome. I'm, that I'm really loving. And <laughs> actually one other one that I love that this is more on the research side, but it turned into a book too. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll butcher the name, but, um, the, the kind of, initial paper uh from Mahai on flow and flow oh, state yeah, i was yeah. talking flow way before it was cool <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was actually an undergraduate school at university of alberta and it was in um sports psychology i think and it was the first paper where you know i had to xerox everything and i read it and he was talking about mountain climbers and the, these kind of aging adults and and this flow state that was being achieved and i just thought it was fascinating yeah yeah. And I continue to think it's fascinating. So mm-hmm. there's is. a couple of mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Cool. Um, so 
when you think about your work and, you know, I've got to know you. And again, I, this, this concept of servant leader comes up for me. It's a theme. You really lead through service, which, which resonates really well for me. I, I like that approach as well. And when you think about the future and this is where, you know, Kim's got the crystal ball, <laughs> Kim mm. can shape it the way that she wants to, uh, you know, when you think about the future of, let's just generalize uh, to brain health and you can pick whether it's brain injury or, you know, um, okay. any other uh, potential uh, diagnosis, what would that look like for you? If you could, if you could shape the future, you have the magical crystal ball, what would the future start to look like? Oh, there's so many things, but um, I mean, I think we've already talked about one, which is I hope that we evolve in healthcare to really better educate people about brain health. Um, and then we're able to establish a system where we can work with our patients more closely to help them make small changes in an effort towards brain health. Um, so not being like, you need to exercise more, you need to eat a Mediterranean diet, see you in six months, um, but more to the effect of, I want you to see you make one small change um, over the next two weeks and I'm gonna call you and we're gonna talk mm -hmm. about how it went. Um, or I'm gonna have my coach, my, this person who's serving as our coach call you mm -hmm. um, and support you in this because this is not easy. This is not easy stuff. So being realistic about the work that's going to go into it, but really the benefits and payoffs that you can get um, from um, making small changes. Um, I also kind of want this to happen as early as possible in a person's life. I feel like right now we're all about like brain health um, and, and teaching people about brain health in the later decades of their life or it's not until after an injury or a neurologic diagnosis that like we start to learn more yeah. about kind of brain brain health. But I want this in like, I want this in health class in middle yeah. school and high school. I want this to be um, something that people, that people know, like if you have a, a habit, if you have a way of thinking, if you have um, something that you feel isn't working for you, um, it, you can you can take small steps to changing that and taking small steps to changing that will change your brain um and that's when things um that's when the magic happens it's it's more possible for you to then kind of grow from there if you are able to um to make changes in your brain that that rewire it yeah i mean i i really like what you said there and it's it's really i i, I often think about this uh reactive versus directive you know yeah. like i used to divide my day into that right so i tried to direct as much as possible and then react towards the end and and when we think about this i think you're so right like a lot of it is is prescriptive right because oh my god there's a problem mm -hmm. and now we got to take this seriously and, and do something about it to 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 treat those symptoms, when if we could take right. a true interdisciplinary approach, as you, as, as you talk about, um, we should always be doing this. And the earlier, the better. You know, this is this is a dream that I have. The earlier, the better. If we, if we can promote, you know, the most essential kind of pillars of health and wellness early. Uh, and and reward them not just with our own you know reward system the release of dopamine and that kind of stuff but actually reward them yeah. you know 
in other ways so that we're building that behavior early that will lead to healthier uh, habits and healthier brains on the long term. And one would think we could, I mean, I know many people are studying this, a better lifespan and a better quality of life. And ultimately that's what it's about, right? Right, right. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I guess another way that I would answer this question would be kind of from um, kind of more supporting people uh, in recovery um, mm. from a brain health condition, a neurologic injury or illness. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking from outpatient land, so not kind of acute care inpatient world, which is, is definitely an, an important distinction to draw because um, the acute care inpatient rehab folks do an amazing job. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that um, we in, in outpatient work um, have some catching up to do. Um, we have some catching up in terms of continuing the work that started in inpatient um, and helping to support people through, um, you know, what is what is bound to be more than, you know, a, a few months of a, of a recovery process. Um, uh, we all know it's going to be longer than that. Then, so why are we just treating it mm. like it's going to be? Um, you know, a few months and then you'll be fine to go back to work or you'll be fine to live independently. Um, but I also want people to be more prepared. Um, so say somebody's going in for like a, a, a surgery. Um, so I work a lot with folks who are going in for epilepsy surgery. Um, right. And oftentimes um, we don't adequately prepare them for what to expect. And I think that it's hard. Um, you know, we're still learning a lot about the brain. Um, it's hard to really predict um, what it's going to be like for any one individual following an injury or an illness or a surgery. Um, but we can, we can provide a, a range of potentials for people um, so that they're not, you know, caught off guard afterwards when they're like, I had no idea it was going to be so hard to focus love, my attention. I love um, this. Yeah. Like this, really listen up to this message because I think that I often compare it to, um, you know, physical rehab and physical um, outpatient rehab. You know, if there's a hip surgery, yeah. you know, even well before the surgery, this is what the post-acute rehab is going to look like. This is what you're responsible for. This is what I'm responsible for. These are when we're checking in. This is going to be a year, two years. It's going to take time. We're going to try to get range of motion to this level. Like it, it's a very good, comprehensive, collaborative plan. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've got a ways to go. <laughs> got a long way to go. A long way to go. Um, I mean, I, we have we have pieces and, and we've got some really good information, but I feel like there are probably I'm, I'm not going to speak in absolutes and say that no one out there is doing this, no. but I, I feel like there are very few people, very few providers or healthcare systems out there that are really um, giving people the preparation and attention that is needed so that they don't feel like they're kind of uh, just alone in this process of recovering yeah. from something that is is so complex um, and so complex from the cognitive perspective, but complex from the emotional and the identity perspective um, and 
can really have um, significant, for, for many, many people, has significant implications on their life. Like one of my, in this work, I mean, you're one of my teachers, lots of teachers in, in my work here. And, um, but one of the ones that I really think about it when you, when I hear that a comment, which is so bang on, uh, there was a, a woman named Anita who um, had a glioblastoma and uh, so, you know, brain cancer and had, had had multiple surgeries and had been relatively stable um, for a while. And I was just talking about, uh, I was doing a conference or something somewhere in Vancouver and talking about it, you know, initial research and, you know, research opportunities, that kind of stuff. And she, this woman comes up to me after and I'll never forget it. She looked, you know, she, she looked fine. And she just said, well, what about brain cancer? And I was like, well, that's a different, that's a, that's a very different um, population, uh, okay. you know, and, and there's good service. I'm in Vancouver. You're in, you're in the Boston area, but in Vancouver, we have the BC Cancer Agency and they do a, a pretty, a, a great job. And I was like, you know, we, you should look into them. She's like, oh, I'm already there. They know me very well. Mm -hmm. You'll get to know me. She says, she like takes my hand. She goes, you're going to get to know me. And I was like, uh, oh, okay, what does that mean? She said, but can we meet in a couple of weeks? And, and she'd explained to me all the things she was doing with, with physiotherapy, uh, with occupational therapy. You know, she was doing everything she could on the physical side, but on the cognitive side, there was nothing. Uh, other than it wasn't a lot of really active cognitive uh, rehabilitation. So she was like, could I try some of this work? Because I, mm -hmm. I, I do, you know, this cognitive rehab work. At that point, I was running a not-for-profit, um, mm -hmm. still on the board of it. And she took, she came into that not-for-profit to do some of the work. And it was really about marrying the two worlds though, right? Looking at, you know, habits. So what, what was her current standard of care? That was what she wanted to try to change because she wanted some semblance of hope mm -hmm. on the cognitive side. So I was like, well, come in, do a little bit of work. We'll see how we do. And what was interesting is I think I'm just thinking about interdisciplinary. There was times when she went um, back into treatment where I was concerned. Part of the work that we do is, is kind of this uh, non-invasive kind of cog rehabilitation work. Well, in theory, you're thinking you're actually rewiring some of those networks. Well, if you're in active if you're in active treatment and there's active tumors there, theoretically, you could potentially, you know, it could, could yeah. be a challenge. So what we ended up doing, and this is where I was going, very long-winded, but interdisciplinary, she did the aerobic exercise and tracked it, right? She did the mindfulness and tracked it. And we did the quality yeah. of life tracking and, and tracked it. And, and what she kept reminding me, this was the thing, whenever I'd see her in the hallways and I miss seeing her, um, she, she would say, you know, today's a great day and I'm getting after today and this is how I'm doing, this is how I'm tracking. And you think about that kind of 1% better. She was a great reminder for me in that. Yeah. And it seemed as though she would pop up right when I needed to hear it. <laughs> you know, you get busy with anything else in life. <laughs> yeah. and she's like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm on point. Like I'm like 10% I'm like better than last week. And I'm like, interesting, you know, fascinating. Wow. And interesting what an to inspiration. study. Yeah. Oh, Anita, Anita. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I know you've got many stories similar and it's just you know I love seeing research I love seeing data but Anita is one that as I think about new explorations initially and you know me I'm pretty optimistic right <laughs> but I, was like, <laughs> I don't know about um, neurological uh, cancers really I, yeah. I don't I don't really know especially when we're not in kind of like a, a remission type uh, state right but yeah right. it was uh, 
big, big teacher for me uh, about around habit and, and kind of, um, you know, positive habit in changing quality of life. So when you think about the standard of care, and that's the big thing here, that where some of our relationship is going is, is learning more about through good research to better understand different uh, elements that we can utilize and deploy to help more people ultimately. I mean, you do that already. Like I've had the opportunity to see how you work with your team and your clients. And it's just wonderful to see, um, you know, a community of like-minded people coming together. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's cool. I I guess one other thing that I would add, like uh, uh, akin to, I guess, Anita is I want I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to hear patients come to me and 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 say, um, "Do you know how?" Um, I wish I I wish I had known about this five years ago. Or yeah, I I wish um, I wish somebody was helping me through this earlier on in the course of things. I I want to change that. I don't yeah. want people to feel alone in this. Um, and because no one should be alone in many things, but particularly this. Um, yeah. So um, it's my it's my hope to change that. My hope to 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 get people early on, prepare them, and support them um, better than we currently are. Um, you know, through the good work that you and your team do, and um, you know, educating people, providing them with. Um, Compensatory strategies, um, yeah. hooking them into hooking them into a community of people who are going through similar things, or support, um, working on the emotional aspects of of um, of what can come as a result of injury and illness. So, mm-hmm. uh, an all around yeah. sort of holistic way of um, really kind of shepherding people through this. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's so true and it's so needed right now especially as we even think about you know covid and and what's that what that's caused uh, to some Mm -hmm. people and um you know change can be possible but i also think that uh when we started you know this work into into brain injury and brain health it, it it was you know trying to better understand what's going on in Mm -hmm. in in the brain health space uh, in terms of outpatient programming and trying to mirror that with with physical programming, and mm-hmm. we just we we found a way bigger gap than we thought we would. And yeah. but it's really been trying to understand through research, you know what what is possible, and then how can that support the the good clinicians out there doing the good work. So it's it, there's a lot of work to do. That's the main idea. There's yeah. so much work to do, and I and I think that you know. Kim's out there doing a lot of this work and it, you know, it's wonderful to see with her team. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful to know you and, and, you know, to see the approach that you take with those that you serve is just, we need more of you <laughs> out there doing the work. And we also need to have the expectations. I, I really like what you said, like fast and easy is actually not uh, going to, going to yield the result. When we think about physical rehab, think about that. It's not fast and easy, yeah. <laughs> not at all. And, you know, that was something I think you and I have talked about before, but one of the uh, ways I got really interested in this work was my own concussion. And, you know, when I tore my ACL, the, you know, the rehabilitation was very clear. When I tore a rotator cuff, same thing. It was very clear. 
before everything, they told me it's going to be a long time. It's going to take time. And it was a lot of it was up to me. Mm -hmm. And, and on, on the cognitive side, it's, we just have a ways to go. And it's not that some, you know, N of one situations aren't helpful. I'm not saying that because that's why I love things like the brain that changes itself. Right. There's a lot of different sure. ways. Oh yeah. Um, sure. But uh -huh. yeah, there's a lot, it's wonderful, yeah. but, but having a more uh, systems-based approach and also being able to um, front load that this is going to take some time, I think mm -hmm. makes it easier on, on, on the patient or client, the individual to know that I'm going to have to invest some effort into this. And there is a way though, to help to improve my habits, my behavior, my brain a mm -hmm. little bit. Right. So yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so well, I'm, I am grateful for the good work that you and your team do as well. So yeah, oh, that's awesome. No, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's, it's excellent. And so we, people are out here, they're, they're listening. Um, maybe they, they, they're researchers, maybe they're clinicians, maybe they're individuals. Uh, they want to get in touch with you. Um, they want to support your work. Uh, how can they, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, I would I, I would say through the Brigham and Women's Hospital website. Um, you know, you can okay. uh, you can Google me um, there, and uh, you'll you'll find information on the Center for Brain Mind Medicine and kind of all of our other programming um, that we do. We do a lot of group programming, um, group interventions, support cognitive skills training. Um, so we are we're we're hoping to to be a force in changing things um, for Love people. It. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think you already are. So, um, you know, please, please uh, check Kim and her work out. Um, links to her work will be in the show notes. And, um, you know, thank you for being with us today. No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Don't forget to check back for a new Brain Mastery segment every week. Here's a sneak peek of our next thought-provoking interview. It's very important for anyone, not only, of course, brain injury survivors and caregivers, but also the general public with taking time to do what's best for them, best for their current and future mindset. And of course, learning how what their mind truly conceives and believes that's what's going to achieve. So you have to take the little steps and understand that the environment, and when I say environment, I'm not talking only about your location on a map, but also the people that you surround in your environment, your own personal setting to make that better to understand what I'm referring to. That really changes your mindset. It's our mind adapts to everything. It absorbs energy from everything. So when you have individuals that their body language is more obvious than their tone, then our mind is going to react to that. And sometimes it's going to try to copy that in a sense. But when we have the ability to be selective on who we allow in our circle, AKA our environment, that's going to have a more positive aspect on how we are, how we be, how we act, and most importantly, how we live. Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness. The 
the statements made regarding the BEARS platform and ABI wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the BEARS platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The BEARS platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.